And now, O Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock, you are our strength, and you are our redeemer. If through the words of this human being we don't hear your voice, O God, we ask you to speak to each of us then here in the quietness of the heart. Amen. Today we are right in the center of our second summer series that is all about searching our heart before the Lord. And we're using the word heart as a guide and we are indeed right here in the middle and what I would believe is one of the most important parts of understanding the rest of what we're talking about in this series. That today is the day where we are looking at what is central to the searching of our hearts. We're looking at what is the foundation, what is necessary, what, what is vital. And if I could think of more and more synonyms to use, I would use them to say just how important what we're going to be talking about is today for us to search our heart as a congregation, for us to search our hearts as individuals. And what we've been talking about in weeks past, we've been talking about as we search our hearts and we ask God to search our heart as a church, what we need to hold on to, those things that are good, those things that are lovely, those things that build up the whole and honor each other's gifts. And we've also, as we search our hearts, realized that there are things we need to get rid of, that there are things that have been on the shelf of the refrigerator of our lives for a little bit too long, and it's time to take them out and to bring in something fresh and new. And today, you may be thinking, as I've talked about what's vital, what's foundational, what's, uh, what's, in, what's central to the, the searching of our hearts, you may think that I'm about to come up with some life-altering word, that there's going to be something mind-blowing that I'm about to say to you about what is essential for being the body of Christ. And I'm sorry to disappoint, friends, but the answer is one that you hear in church all the time, that you hear, uh, in, that, that you hear, you read in your Bible over and over, and that word is prayer. That word is prayer. Praying with God, praying to God in a way that we have a relationship with him where we talk with him and he talks back to us. And it's a relationship that has to be cultivated. The Apostle Paul tells us in the, book of, in the letter to the Philippians that we are to pray without ceasing. Now, many of us, when we hear that, we may think that that means we got to walk around like the children with our prayer hands, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, and just walk around praying all day long. But we all know if we do that all day long, every second of every day, we're going to run into something eventually, right? That's not living in reality. But what, God, but what we discover as we grow closer to Jesus and as we cultivate our relationship with Jesus is that God leads us into rhythms of prayer where, yes, indeed, we have that time set aside every day, sometimes multiple times a day, time set aside just to be still before the Lord, to talk to the Lord, to study his word, to listen for his voice. We have those times where we gather together in small groups and we listen together for the voice of God. We have those those moments like that, but then we also have to do our jobs. We also have to take care of our families. We have obligations. We have needs. We have things that we have to do. And if and what we discover as we grow closer to the Lord, as we spend time with Him, is that we may find ourselves praying as we go. We may find ourselves suddenly aware of God's presence when we least 
expected. And that is part of the rhythms of prayer. And today's passage sets up for us a wonderful model for us, a blueprint of sorts of how we might be able to pray and incorporate prayer into our daily lives in new and fresh ways. Because at the heart of today's story is a story of Solomon having a friendship with God. In fact, if I were to take the names out of the scripture and set it up like a screenplay for a movie or for a TV show, we would likely see that it sounds like two people talking to each other, two friends familiar with each other, with one asking the other, what can I do for you? How can I help you? And the other friend thinking through, what should my answer be? And then the other friend responding. And when we think of it like this, this is what God desires of all of us, friends. God desires to be in conversation with us. With many of us, we get too extreme one way in prayer or the other way in prayer. One way that we tend to go is the too familiar and too casual where we, where we just we, we, we tell God what we need, when we need it, and say, hey, God, I could really use a new car in the next year. Or we might say, you know, Lord, I really wish that mom would not cook that vegetable I don't like for dinner tonight. Could you just tell that? Lord, I need a parking place. You know, there are too many people in this place. And sometimes we get caught up in that sense of familiarity. And don't get me wrong, friends. God cares about those details of our lives. God hears us and he wants to meet us even in those little details. But sometimes we can make our relationship with God a little too casual. But then there's the other extreme where we feel like we're just so unworthy that we can't ask God for anything. And we think of him as, oh, oh that Thou who art so far away, we think only in King J the old King James language, which don't get me wrong, I love the old King James language, but we often think of God as something or someone far away who's just disinterested in us, who's not active on the ground with us. And what Solomon shows us today is a really good middle ground of a conversation with God, a really good middle ground of what relationship with God looks like where we are both familiar with him and he's familiar with us, but there's always that little bit of holy fear and wonder that keeps us learning more and that reminds us that he is God and that we are not. And when we come to today's passage, we, we I invite you to open your heart and your mind to hear what it is that God might be teaching you about prayer today. Because without prayer, there is no searching of the heart. We're just, we're just searching aimlessly. But when we pray and we ask for God to search our hearts as a church and as individuals, what we discover is a great conversation. We, we discover a fabulous friendship that God wants for us to cultivate each and every day in relationship with him. Before we jump into, I'm just going to, before we jump into the passage today and talk a little more about um, what Solomon does in this prayer, I just want to remind us of what's going on here. It's always good just to stop and remember where we are in the scriptures. A few summers ago, I shared with you a, a short series on the book of Genesis, and we talked about how Genesis shows us that we all come from a dysfunctional family. If you think your family is dysfunctional, go read the book of Genesis, and you realize that we all were born into dysfunction. We're human beings. We're fallen. We're imperfect. We need the grace of God. Well, and then, but what we learn from that is how God's grace is at work, even in our dysfunction. That God works among us and with us, even though we are not perfect. And His perfect, His perfect love is manifested through us in the midst of dysfunction. If you read First and Second Samuel, what you also discover is that we are a people of dysfunction. 
that we are a people who are very easily divided. When you look at the story of David, of Solomon's father, David, and Samuel the prophet before him, and Saul the king before David, you just see so much conflict and so much heartache, and you're reminded that some of these things have not changed. And that these people who are active in the scriptures, everybody in the scriptures, save for our Lord Jesus Christ, was an imperfect person, just like you and me. And yet God communed with them. God chose them. God called them. And he's doing the same for us today. All of us have been given a calling from God. And God works in the midst of the dysfunction, in the midst of the dissension. And it'd be so easy for us to read today's passage and think, well, this guy Solomon, he must have had it all together for him to have this relationship with God. I mean, God told Solomon just to tell him what he needed. You know, Solomon must have been really, really special to God. And yes, Solomon was special to God, but so are you. Because you see, Solomon, when you look in the rest of Scripture, you realize this guy had some problems. This guy committed some sins. This guy, yes, he was a king and he was mighty and he did many good things, but he was also very broken and he had a lot of faults too. But what we see over and over in Scripture along with Solomon is that God saw the good in him. And even though Solomon had his struggles, even though he had his failings, he loved the Lord with all of his heart. His heart, like his father David, was after the Lord. He wanted to please God. And we, when we jump into today's passage, we come in uh, at the beginning of chapter 3. You see in the two chapters before this, you get a sense that Solomon was a man who feared God, that he was a leader who worshipped God, and that he wanted to do what was right. And so when we, get, when we arrive at today's Today's passage, what we see happen at the beginning is that Solomon is, is going through some ritual sacrifices. He's following the rules of the Torah. He's doing what he's commanded to do. And then in verse 5, as he is at Gibeon, we hear that the Lord appears to him in a dream by night, and God says, ask what I should give you. How many of us would like to go home today and fall asleep tonight and for God to show up in a dream to us and say, Hey, what do you want? What can I do for you? Isn't that an ideal situation? I mean, for the God of heaven and earth to come and say, what do you need? I'm here. Ask whatever it is that you want. I want to give it to you. I'm well pleased with you. I want to bless you. You are my child and you love me. And this is what I do for my children as your heavenly father. Wouldn't that be wonderful if that happened? And the thing is, friends, he's already done that for each and every one of us. Maybe not in a literal dream. But we hear our Lord Jesus hundreds of years after the story with Solomon. Jesus is actually a descendant of Solomon. And we hear him tell the disciples as he tells us today, Ask whatever it is that you need in my name and I will do it. So we have this same access that Solomon has. We need to be able to ask boldly what it is because God is standing before us each and every day in the form of the Holy Spirit saying, What do you need from me? And what we see happen in Solomon's response is an example of a prayer. I'm going to break this down into four different parts that I want to encourage you to look at this week and incorporate into your prayer life as well. Because what happens is after the Lord says this, Solomon gives an answer. Now, in our early service, we had a little girl here, and I asked her, I told her about Solomon, and I said, if, I said what would you like for God to give you? If God could give you anything, and she said, candy. And I said, 
good answer. God likes the details like that. And the thing is, when we hear a question like this, there are those things that come to us immediately. There are those things that we know. But Solomon shows us how to respond in prayer to that and how we can pray as well. Because, because what he does, he starts off in verse 6 with thanksgiving of who God already is. That's number one, thanksgiving for who God is and what he's already done. He says, Lord, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you. You have kept him for this, this great and steadfast love. You've given him a son to sit on his throne today. And now, O oh Lord, you have made me your servant king in place of my father David. All of that, friends, is rooted in thanksgiving and praise of who God is. When you're not sure what to say when you come to pray to God, just start with praise. Just start telling him what he's done. Just start declaring what he has done for you, for your family, what you've seen him do in the scriptures. Give a shout of praise to him. Just begin with that spirit of thanksgiving. And then in the light of that thanksgiving, look what Solomon recognizes in verse 7. At the, in the second half of verse 7, he says, Although I am only a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. I am a little child now. Make no mistake, Solomon is not the age of our young friends who were down here earlier today, the biological age. He, he is a grown adult when he's talking about this, but he is saying to the Lord, basically, God, I'm like a child because I don't fully understand everything I'm supposed to be doing. Lord, I'm a, like a little child because I need help understanding some things. I need help doing these things that you have called me to do. What Solomon is acknowledging here is that he has a need. And that's the second thing that he models for us in this prayer, beginning with praise and thanksgiving, and secondly, acknowledging our need before God. He goes on to say in verse 8, your servant is in the midst of the people whom you have chosen. There are great people, numerous, they cannot be numbered or counted. What he's saying is, Lord, this seems daunting. This task before me to be a ruler and a king for these people is daunting. I cannot do this on my own. He's expressing his need. And that's something that God wants from us, friends. He wants for us to say, God, I need you in this area. God, this is where I'm coming up short. And when we, that's when we are asking with humility. We're showing our humility, we're acknowledging our humanity, and we're asking for God's help. And then in verse 9, he finally answers the question, are, do you know anybody, or perhaps you yourself or somebody, who it takes forever to answer a question? Like somebody asks a question and you go on about 50 rabbit trails before you get to the answer. And that's kind of how Solomon is. He, ha he has a lot of things he's trying to process, but he finally answers God's question in verse 9 when he says, Give your servant an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil. And other translations of this read, give your servant an understanding heart. That's another translation. Other translations say, give your servant wisdom. All three of these mean basically the same thing. What Solomon is saying is, Lord, there are things that I need to do that I don't know how to do yet, but you already have that knowledge, and I ask you to give it to me. And when Solomon is asking for this, and this is so so important, friends, because what Solomon is asking for here, the request he is making of God to give him wisdom, he's not just doing it for himself. He is asking this on behalf of the people. Listen again to what I just read there in that, in that verse. He said, I want an understanding mind to govern your people. 
able to discern between good and evil. Solomon is answering this prayer not because he wants the candy for himself, but because he wants to know how to best share the candy with all of the people that God has entrusted to his care. What Solomon is doing here is he's thinking about the whole, the the good of the whole people and not just his part. And that is what's such an important part of how we pray for our church especially. It can also apply to how you pray for your families, how you pray for your communities, how you pray for your tribe that's around you, your group of friends and and relatives. But this is so important because what Solomon is saying is, Lord, I'm just one part of this. I want to do what's best for everybody. And Solomon's not the first guy to do this. If you flip back in your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 2, you read about a woman named Hannah. She was the mother of Samuel. And Hannah prayed and prayed and prayed for a child. And she told the Lord, if, if, if you will give me a child, I will give him back to you. And when Samuel was born, she raised him. She took him to the temple so he could be raised in the service of God. And she prays in 1 Samuel chapter 2 a beautiful prayer that Mary, the mother of Jesus, Jesus also prays a similar version of, and what that prayer basically says, I'm paraphrasing here, I encourage you to go back and read it, is basically, Lord, thank you for this child you have given me, and thank you for how he is going to rule your people. Thank you for how he is going to make a difference in the world. Those prayers were not just about satisfying their own need and celebrating their own addition to their family, but they were saying, Lord, make this child Help this child to grow as one who makes a difference for your people and brings about justice for your people. That's what Solomon is doing here, too. He's recognizing, Lord, the answer to this prayer is not just about me. It's also about everybody that you have entrusted to me. And that is key for us to remember that prayer is not just about what we need, but it's about what the church of Jesus Christ needs as well. And that is how we also ask with humility. And last but not least, at the, in the last part of verse 9, we hear Solomon close out this prayer. This is the last we're going to hear from Solomon. The Lord speaks after this. And Solomon says at the end of this prayer, Lord, who can govern this great people? Who can govern this great people? He goes back to that sense of awe and wonder. You can never go wrong in a prayer, friends. You, and there's really no wrong way to pray, don't get me wrong, but you can never err in a prayer if you keep coming back to the wonder of God. Because that's basically what Solomon is doing here. He's, met, he's given thanks. He has acknowledged his need. He has made his request. And then he just sits back in the wonder of, wow, God, only you can do this. Wow, God, you are the true ruler of this people. Wow, God, you have chosen me to do this. Anne Lamott is a wonderful writer who says that the three best prayers we can offer are help, thanks, and wow. And Solomon hit all three of those, not in that order necessarily, but that that sense of wow, that is what God wants for us to carry, friends, into, into and out of the prayer closet. He wants for us to ever be in wonder of who he is. And finally, in closing today, we're going to close off at verse 10, where we hear the Lord's reaction to what Solomon has said. It's not often in Scripture that we hear how the Lord responds to what people say. We see it a good bit with Jesus and the people he interacts with. But listen to what the God of heaven and earth says about Solomon. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. In other words, well done, good and faithful servant Solomon. You have answered well. And friends, God wants to say the same thing to each and every one of us. And when we ask with humility, in a spirit of thanksgiving and wonder, in the the confidence of a friendship 
that we, that, that we strive for with God, the confidence of a friendship, the confidence of a relationship, the confidence that he is already with us, then we will see that indeed he is already ready and willing to give us what we want and what we ask for. So let us not be timid. Let us also be reverent and let us receive whatever it is that God wants to give to each and every one of us today. Let us be a people of thanksgiving. Let us be a people of prayer and let us be a people of humility who ask boldly of the Father who freely gives us through the name of his Son and in the power of his Holy Spirit who live and reign, blessed three in one, now and forever. Amen.